Howdy. Welcome back to Killer Conspiracies. This is Kobe Bryant. Kobe and Bryant. Because our names sound like that one football player. like the joke I said to you when we first started working together, I think. I don't know. I was waiting for you to come out with that joke, but hey, howdy. Nice to see everybody again. And we're actually doing it's video. Back. Doing video now. Have that on YouTube. How are you wanting this audio? Just keep on playing it? Oh, I have the the video and audio. Now my wife's on the video podcast. Gross. Um, I'm talking about the the, the intro song. Did you want me to play it? No, I'm playing it right now. <laughs> is that cool? <laughs> yeah, this is a mess already. Okay. Well, before I get into my story, we doing Ted Bundy. I heard this one little story that'll make sense in a minute. This woman was making out the dude at a bar. And she got a weird rash on her face. So she went to the doctors because she's like, I don't know if it's my makeup or something like that. So they do a bunch of tests. And they're like, what's this guy's name? She's like, why? And they're like, well, you can only get this rash from being around dead bodies. And so they're like, what? And so they went to the dude's house and found out he was eating bodies of dead people. Holy crap, dude. Do you know... Anything about Ted Bundy at all? A little bit. I mean, I watched the movie. And, um... It was really trippy and stuff. And about... You know, the movies... I don't know if it's much relatable to, like, the stories and the news and all that. But I've seen it a little bit. It's pretty interesting. And it did happen around our area, too, a little bit. Oh, it did. Eight or nine murders in Utah. But I read three books this week for this. There's a lot of shit in here. So we'll go ahead and get started. And the first thing is a story I actually found on Reddit. Where this guy and his girlfriend were walking in the Provo Mountains. Where Ted Bundy had killed one of his victims. And the man said while he was walking he kicked something soft. And they ran away because they were like, what the fuck was that? Because it was like the middle of the night. And then in a later interview, Ted Bundy said that this couple had walked up near him and kicked him. And the body was like 10 feet away. And he said if they would have kept walking, he would have killed them both. But now my cats are fighting. Jesus Christ. Um, But anyway, so to get into his early life, because the books I read had a lot of victims that they believe he did because he confessed to 36 Uh and was convicted of 30 but I think he has way more murders than that that's what he was saying in the court and stuff mm -hmm. and there were between 7 states from 1974 to 1978 he would pose as different men including names Chris Hagen Kenneth Misner, Officer Roseland, Richard Burton, and Rolf Miller. But these murders would be known as the Ted murders because he would very smartly tell his victims around other people his name was Ted. 
and uh, the the main book I read. Convenient. Huh? It's too convenient. Yeah, and the book I read for most of it. I'll show it since we're doing video. The Bundy Murders by Kevin Sullivan. Fucking... Holy crap! You read all of that? I read three by the same guy. So. Oh wait, pause one one pause before you get started. Okay. Um, I will I will have to take a break between like six thirty to seven though. That's just fine. to let you know. It's all good. But I'll I'll come back though to be able to finish off the story. Okay. All right, go ahead. In nineteen sixty one, the Burr family in Tacoma, Washington's. This is a suspected killing. They're not sure, but I guarantee it. The parents, being awoken by noises in the middle of the night, thinking it would be animals or the heat, because it was in August. I think, I forgot to write that down. But anyway, on the night of the 31st, the family went to bed as normal. Eight-year-old Annie Marie and her younger sister went upstairs while her parents slept on the first floor bedroom. Her older siblings slept in the basement to keep cool, and there was a lot of th thunderstorms this night. In the middle of the night, Mary, the younger of the sisters, woke up crying and took her to the parents' room, but was told to go back to bed. Um... Mrs. Burr had a bad feeling when she got up at around 5 a.m. She walked into the living room, and to her horror, the front door was wide open, and a window near the door was open as well. They called the police, and they started searching the home, while Anne's father started combing the neighborhoods. Later, a big search, including soldiers, National Guards, all that were searching, but her body would never be found. The only evidence was a shoe print outside the window. But, yeah. But in uh, May 9th, 1987, which was right before he was executed, an article had said Ted Bundy killed Anne, who was 8, when he was 14 years old. He was telling people on death row about it. But he would do it in third person. So I don't know if you've seen the documentaries where he talks, he'd be like, this person then removed her head and put it 80 feet east, you know, especially when it came what to, the... you know. so yeah, but Holy I, crap, dude. Mm -hmm. um, and he said the killer would have had earlier victims and would have started killing much earlier, which is another reason why they suspect, and he only lived two miles away from this house and he was known to be a peeping Tom. a handsome feller. To some people, I thought he looked like a doofus. He had a unibrow. Come on, Zach Efron played Oh, Zach dude. Efron, yeah, but look at this fucking guy. Look at him. <laughs> anyway. Oh, shit. So, but he also told... Um, specifics about this case that only the family and investigators would know. And that's why they also believed he did this. And now we'll get into the known victims. 
January 31st, 1974, 21-year-old Linda Ann Healy, a senior at the University of Washington, and her four friends were renting an old house. Linda lived in the basement. After 2 a.m. on January 4th, so this is a different attack, I just kind of wrote it weird. On January 4th, an unnamed woman who shared a house with three others went to bed around 2 a.m. One of the doors was always unlocked. She was found beaten badly in bed around 7 p.m. the next evening. She was barely alive and had been sexually assaulted with a medical instrument. The intruder must have thought he killed her, but she survived. And the reason I put that there is because it's very similar to this next one. So, Linda, on the last night of her life, made dinner for everyone. They went out having some beer. One roommate later said they didn't see anyone following them. At 5.30 a.m., one roommate woke up to Linda's alarm, but she would stay in bed till 6, thinking Linda would shut it off. But around 6.30, it was still going off. The phone rang. Northwest Ski Promotion called, asking why Linda didn't come into work, and then went into her room, calling her name, turned the light on, and no one was in the bed, and it was made very neatly, and she didn't make her bed, but she didn't touch anything. Then later in the day, after 4 p.m., the roommates, I don't know why they took this long to call, but they were looking around places. Her father and brother came by, and they filled out a missing person report. That Later, the house received a call, but no one talked, just heavy breathing. While police were searching her room, they removed the covers, finding large blood stains, and the pillowcase was missing. Her nightgown was found hanging up in her closet with blood stains on the neck. They would compare... They would compare this attack to the one I just told you about that survived. Uh-huh. She survived the, the Linda F- M? No. Nope. The the one who's unnamed was when she barely survived. It was just a very similar attack. And her body would not be found till years later when the other victims would be found in Washington. Okay, so, (coughs) fuck, vaping. He needed to kill again, so he went to a school in Olympus. 19-year-old Donna Mason, Evergreen State College. I wrote that weird, too. She was known to hitchhike, which is, you know, number one rule, don't do that. Leaving without telling anyone. Yep. March 12th, 1974, on her way to a jazz show around 7 p.m., she disappeared either... Jazz? Jazz. Like the music? Oh. (laughs) Around 7 p.m., she disappeared either on the path or the parking lot near the show. It would also be years later before her remains were found. They just thought she disappeared which is a lot of things like with him which we'll get into more but basically they would just disappear and they'd be like what the fuck but anyway Wednesday April 17th 1974 Kathleen 
Clara D'Olivio. She had long, dark hair parted in the middle, which would become his preferred victim type. While studying at a library, she noticed it was getting late, so she left, walking out into the night. <clears throat> she later told police, I heard books falling, turned around to see a man with his arm in a sling. I offered to help him. He would use this tactic a lot to lure women in, pretending he was injured. Thinking he was going to the library, she wanted to help him. But he told her his car is the other way, over a bridge. Being smart, she didn't let him walk behind her because she was worried about it. She noticed a VW bug in a dark, secluded area. She then put his things next to the car and left. He then dropped his keys, trying to open the door. And then he told her to get back over here and help pick him up. And she just handed it to him and like ran off. But we don't know if that's true. But with a lot of stuff he did, it probably is. And she's very lucky that she did not get too close to the car. The next, seriously, bro. Yeah, he would use a crowbar and just beat him over the head with it. That was his... What yeah. the fuck? 18-year-old Susan Aline Rancourt went to the University of Washington April 17th. That's my mom's birthday. I don't think it's the same year at all. <laughs> the same day as the last story. So this was later in in the night. He He would do this a lot too. After not being able to abduct her. Around after 10, she, someone had seen her and a man who looked like he was in a daze and injured. And with the same clothes Susan was wearing. And they were walking the same way where she lives, but she never made it home. And so, yeah, I don't remember if her body was found. There were multiple women who shared who shared similar experiences with Kathleen, which um, the the one girl who escaped Kathleen. I really did these notes fucking weird, but understandable, no worries. Yeah, but he would tell a lot of people he was in a skiing accident. But she would later said he looked at me funny and his eyes were just different. When they got to the VW bug, he told her to open it and said, get in. He asked her to start the vehicle because he snapped at her and was like, get in the fucking car. But then he was like, no, just start it for me. And the thing that weirded her out the most was that the passenger seat was missing. Yeah, Re- Roberta Parks, who was 21. Called Kathy by many. This is in Oregon. So he drove over 250 miles just to attack someone. Around 11 p.m. on May 6th. This is all the same year too. Her roommate came back to their room, but Kathy wasn't there. It is not known how or why he took her, but he would later admit to it. Brenda Ball, 22. On May 31st, last seen at the Flame Tavern Bar, where many fights and worse things have happened. So, a young pretty woman would stand out. 
leaving the next night at 2 in the morning. It would be June 1st. She went hitchhiking. She wouldn't be reported missing until June 17th. It's known that she was strangled and he would remove their heads and bury and bury them somewhere else. And then he would come back and have sex with their bodies repeatedly. Sometimes he would take the bodies back to his apartment, wash them, put makeup on them, paint their nails, all that. And this whole time, he has a girlfriend. That's why I told you the story in the beginning, where you can get a rash from making out dead bodies. But the whole head head taken off part and then doing all that, like yep. the fact that he was actually willing to just take him somewhere else just so he could freaking fuck him. No, he would just rape him and then he would either murder them while he was raping them because he said he enjoyed it or he would just whatever he wanted really. And then on this day... Um, Liz's daughter was being baptized and so Ted missed the baptism and the whole day like when he came back he seemed like he just didn't want to be there and then later he confessed that he killed Brenda that night that's why he didn't want to be there because he wanted to go back and do perverted shit who did he confess to his wife? Uh, Liz, his girlfriend who uh-huh. who's actually a big reason he even got caught, which we'll get into later. George Ann Hawkins, who was 18, on June 17th, after hanging out with friends, she didn't want to walk home alone, so around midnight, her and her friend left, but on the way, she wanted to stop and see her boyfriend, because it wasn't too far, and then she walked into the house by herself for a little bit, and then walked out a back door into an alley. And her friend stood there and never saw her again. So Ted Bundy somehow got her just a few feet away from her friend. And so... And so now Bundy thinking he was a god and can just not be caught. This is one of the most crazy stories I've heard. On Sunday, July 14th, 1974, at Lake Sammamish State Park, around 40,000 people were there. And he would abduct and kill two women in broad daylight. What? And they believe there was a third victim too, but we'll get into that in a minute. Janice Ott, who is 23. Broad daylight? Yeah. And that this is where he would say, oh, my name's Ted. And so other people around are like, oh, it's a guy named Ted. Or that's what he was saying his name was. But yet again, with his arm in a sling... He asked Janice to help him take a sailboat to his car. But he overpowered her and took her to a secluded area in the woods. But after killing her, but it's also, he also said that he kept her alive until he brought this next lady there. So they would walk, one of them would have to watch the other one die. The next victim, Denise Nasland who was 18, around 4.30 that day. Um, She was known to be drunk and high and would be flirtatious with other guys. So when she's seen 
Ted with his arm in a sling. She offered to help him as well, and their bodies wouldn't be found for a very long time. And then in Washington, it's estimated he killed around 11 women. Holy crap. His girlfriend heard of the Ted murders, was shown a composite sketch, and she thought it resembled him, but if you look it up, it honestly doesn't resemble him at all. But after these murders at Lake Sammamish, he would leave for Utah. And, yeah. So she would, this whole time he was there, she would contemplate calling and stuff. But October 1974, she would call the police Uh telling um, them Bundy's full name and what he drove. And this is a part where I I believe he killed way more. When he was driving through Idaho to get to Utah, he saw a girl hitchhiking on I-84. And on this day alone, he filled up his car three times in that day. What? And he admitted, admitted to this one, but he said he'd grabbed a crowbar from behind the seat that the woman was in, hit her in the back of the head, he raped her and put her into a river and burned her identification. But as his previous victims, he did not take her head or come back to perform necrophilia. And that just, I think that just proves he has way more victims. The fact that he filled up his car three times in one day. And back then it was like 10, like so cheap for gas. Five days after he left for... It was like he was just doing it really quickly or something. Oh, yeah. And a lot of serial killers that are mobile, like in a car, you know, and there's no cameras. And IDs back then were just... It didn't have your picture. It was just a name. And he had a... He had a, a girlfriend and... A daughter at the same time? It was like her daughter. Yeah, like a stepdaughter. What the fuck? We're not even close to done. <laughs> Five days after he left for Utah, right. the Lake Sammamish girls would be found on a hillside, and a third set of remains would be found, but they have not been identified, and they're, they're pretty sure it's another one of his victims that he probably killed that day only one of their skulls was found so the other two women's weren't and in Salt Lake City between September 20th and the 8th of November he killed at least four women including Nancy Wilcox who was 16 from Holiday her body has never been found yep Um, he did admit to it but her body wasn't found Melissa Smith, who was 17, the daughter of a Midvale police chief. What? Yep. He killed her on October 18th. Her body would be found on the 27th. She was hit with a crowbar and strangled with a sock. But they believe she was kept alive but unconscious for about five days. Because he had a basement room apartment in Salt Lake City on First Avenue. And I looked up the house, and it looks kind of similar, 
but they changed it. It's still there. That house is still there in Salt Lake City. So, yeah. And, that's fucking crazy, dude. Yep. And then, that's and, like, I've been to all these places before. Yeah. Oh, and there's one in Bountiful that I'll get to. And I went to her grave when I work, when we worked together. Because I was up there in Bountiful. And I found out where it was. And I felt like, I don't believe in paranormal shit. But I was just like, ooh. I felt so creepy. But yeah. What? Did I tell you what happened? So, did I tell you about that shelf up there that's fucking haunted? That, no. And that our TV randomly fell off of the thing and shattered. And then a random can up on that shelf just flew down. Is that how it fell? I don't know. It's a fucking ghost. But anyway, let's get back into it. An American wait, fork. Wait, wait, hold what, on. What, what? I gotta pause. I gotta pause the story. Oh, you gotta, I gotta go? pause, dude. You gotta go? Yeah, I gotta go pick up my lady. Okay. Really quick. We're back. After three days. Well, I'm back. Brian has been busy and had stuff come up, but I want to get this out to you since I've had a few people message me and asking what the fuck I'm doing. So we'll get back right into where you guys left off about 20 seconds ago. In American Fork, Laura Amy, who was 17, went to a party in Orem. Around midnight, she left to go hitchhiking, but she was never found. And if you follow me on Instagram, the Twitter, or the Facebook group, you will see that I took a few pictures about a week or so ago of the Fashion Place Mall in Murray, Utah, which is where this next failed abduction happened. November 8th, 1974, at the Fashion Place Mall in Murray, Bundy tried and failed to kidnap Carol Durant, who was 18 at the time. Around 5 p.m., he approached her, pretending to be a detective, saying her car had been broken into. She followed him out to the car, but clearly nothing was wrong with it. He then led her across the street to a building, which was the other picture I took. He said it was a police station, but it was not. After finding the door locked, she wanted to see his badge. He flipped what looked like a badge real fast, and she said it looked real. She then got into his car, which was just a few feet away. She then could smell alcohol on his breath. He drove them to a residential area. He then pulled over by an elementary school, which I drive by while I'm working all the time. And I pointed it out to my boss the other day, and he looked at me like I was fucking crazy. It's pretty funny. Um, While at that school, he tried to attack her, getting one handcuffed on her. And she started fighting back. And when he clamped the other handcuff on, it was on the same wrist, so making it useless. He tried hitting her with the crowbar, but failed. She was able to get out and run away. He didn't chase her, thinking that he would be caught. She then flagged down an older couple, and they took her to a police station and she made a composite sketch but after this Bundy was pissed off and wanting to murder so then he went to Bountiful and if you remember the first episode of the podcast I talked about visiting the grave of this victim 
which was really creepy. Um, well, and yeah, at Viewmont High School in Bountiful, Bundy went inside. They were having a play. But before he kidnapped this victim, he was trying to get the drama teacher to come outside. But she was busy and getting weirded out by him because he kept staring at her boobs. Deborah Kent, who went to pick up her younger brother and would come back to her parents at the play. He noticed her leave the play and followed her out, attacking her. She let out a scream before knocking her out. And it was reported some people did hear the screams but didn't think anything of it. He then put her into his car and went back into the play. So that way he could cover his tracks and if they, anyone saw him go out with her, he came back so clearly he didn't do anything. But since we talked about him taking out his passenger seat so he could hide bodies easily, that's what would happen. And one fact I did find out, one of his future victims in about seven months was actually at this play at the same time. But while this was happening, they found a handcuff key just outside the school that he was at that fit Carol's handcuffs. In American Fort Canyon, they would find a body believed to be Deborah, but it was Laura Ames. The only remains of Deborah was a knee bone found in Fairview, Utah, just before Bundy would be executed. Was's friend was visiting family in Ogden when she heard about the murders and missing women in Utah. She called Liz to tell her it's happening again in Utah. Liz called King County Police to tell them about what she's heard about the Utah murders. She then gave them more information about Ted, his car, and the stuff he had found. she had found in his apartment, like Cass making items and like IDs and stuff. But all that was gone after a while. But this is the end of the Utah murders, which I believe he definitely had to have killed more. In the beginning of 1975, he had his decision to make either go back to classes for being a lawyer in, at the University of Utah or leave for Colorado because he felt like it was getting too risky. He then left for Colorado. And this is when everything started going downhill for him. In January 1975, Karen Campbell went to Wildwood in Snow in Snowpass, Colorado. Bundy, pretending his leg was broken, had crutches. Karen was a nurse. She offered to help him to his car. Later, he told investigators he knocked her out by hitting her in the head with one of the ski boots, and then again hit her with a crowbar. No one saw them leave. Her boyfriend was there with his kids. And they waited for her, and eventually police were called around 11 p.m. Her body would be found Monday, February 17, 1975. Then on March 1st, in Washington, one of Bundy's dumping grounds would be found in the Taylor Mountains. 
but this is only where he would take his head to the victims. And if was Brian, if Brian was here, he would have been freaking out. But he's not here because he's too busy for me. I thought he loved me. <laughs> March 14th, he went to Wyoming looking for another victim. He would go drive around more, most weekends looking for victims. But on his drive, he ended up landing in Vail, Colorado. Either not finding a victim in Wyoming or there's just none that we know about. Around 9 p.m., Julie Cunningham, who was 26, left her apartment to walk to a bar. He again used crutches as a ruse so she could help him. He then hit her in the head and put handcuffs on her. While he was driving to a lake, she woke up. She was scared, asking what was happened. And he had toyed with her before killing her. Like, letting her run, and then he would chase her down. And he would... He was just... This was a lot of detail I didn't write down, because I didn't really want to. But he would go back to Utah. But on April 4th... This was April 4th. But he would keep returning back until June to revisit his body, her body. Oh wait, no, I'm wrong. I read that wrong. This happened March 14th. He then returned back on April 4th to revisit the body. On his way back to Utah, he went through Grand Junction, Colorado. While he was getting gas, he was watching a 24-year-old woman, Denise Oliverson, while she was riding her bike. While she was going over a bridge, he drove up, jumped out of the car, and either attacked her there or knocked her unconscious. It is not known how he got her in the car, but he then drove her to Utah, killing her and dumping her in the Colorado River. Her body has never been found. While he was killing in these states, they wouldn't be wouldn't be connected yet, even though Liz, Bundy's girlfriend, kept calling them, telling them it might be Bundy. But Mike Fisher, a Colorado detective, after flying to other states following leads and getting dead ends, he would notice the similarities in Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Utah. May 5th, 1975, Bundy drove to Pocatello, Idaho. He has only confessed to two murders in Idaho, but like I've said a hundred million times, I guarantee there's more. While he was staying at a Holiday Inn, he kidnapped a 12-year-old, one of his youngest victims, Lynette Culver. And I won't get into the details of what he did, but he did drown her in a tub and the normal nasty shit he does. Susan Curtis, who was 15, the girl who was at the play when Bundy took Deborah. She was at a banquet at BYU in Provo. She went outside, walking around. Bundy was outside as well, looking for a victim. He came up and attacked her with a crowbar. Her body has never been found. But he did admit to burying her near a highway in Price. 
one murder that actually happened in Layton, not too far from me or Brian, of Nancy Baird. This is an unsolved murder, but they believe it was Ted Bundy. She was 23 and was abducted from a gas station. Her body has also never been found. August 16, 1975, at 2 a.m., Bundy was driving around when he saw the headlights from another vehicle coming towards him. He didn't know it yet, but it was a sergeant of the Utah Highway Patrol. He was sitting in his car with the lights off, smoking weed, and studying a map to see where he was so he could get back home. But then he drove off with his headlights off. When the sergeant saw him do this, he decided to pull him over. He then ran through two stop signs. The officer had called for backup. While one of the cops was there, he looked into the VW with a flashlight where they saw a brown gin bag, which was open and they thought was a burglary kit, but it was really his murder kit. It had gloves, an ice pick, ski masks, trash bags, a crowbar rope, handcuffs. They arrested him for evading the cop, trying to pull him over. They believed he was an armed robbery, but once police heard his name, they started putting the piece together. They called Washington to talk to Bob Keppel, head of the investigation. And if you've seen the Zac Efron movie, the Ted Bundy Zac Efron movie, the guy who plays the cop, pulling him over in this part, is played by Metallica's frontman, which I guess is pretty cool. I mean, it'd be cooler if it was like, you know, I don't fucking know. They eventually went to Bundy's apartment in Washington, which is where they found maps of Colorado, Washington, phone bills to other states, and gas slips, which is a, or gas receipts, which would get him, which would really show that, you know, he was around the times when disappearances happened. They also found a brochure for the Viewmont High School play, While he was in jail in Salt Lake City, the Colorado detective Mike Fisher came to talk to Bundy because he had believed he was the killer of, all, of Karen. Monday, September 1st, a detective drove to Murray, Utah to ask Carol DeBranche to see if Bundy was poss possibly the guy who tried to abduct her with a photo lineup. She wasn't 100% sure, and she didn't point him out in the lineup, but she did recognize the beetle. Or the VW, whatever. The bug. But with her not being sure it was him, Bundy thought he would get away with this. But while he was waiting to be on trial, he was released. But he would be followed by investigators. Because his... Um, court date for kidnapping wasn't until February 1976. He started getting aggressive towards people that were following him. He says because he believed he would get off and not be charged with kidnapping, but we all know it's because he probably wanted to murder somebody. March 1st, 1976, he would be found guilty of aggravated kidnapping. 
While this trial and conviction was happening, Colorado was building a case against him because of the gas receipts found from the areas where the missing women were. Before he was convicted, he had actually sold his VW to a teenager, but Colorado police found it, put it on a truck, and drove it back to Salt Lake City which, when they started searching it. January 28, 1977. Colorado police came to take custody of Bundy to bring him to Colorado to charge him with Karen's murder. While in custody, Bundy was in the jail's library studying when one of the cops who was supposed to be watching him didn't realize there was an open window. He then jumped two stories down and escaped. He was in the snowy mountains for about five days where he stole a car, broke into some cabins, but he drove back into the same town and got caught, which is when they started linking other murders to him, but we all know he wasn't planning on staying there. He started losing a lot of weight and went through the light on the roof of his cell and escaped again. This time he was gone for a while. He got on a plane for Chicago, then rode a bus down to Florida, which is why I believe there are even more victims, because because he traveled a lot before he was caught again. January 1978. Chi, Chi Omega, however you say it, the sorority house. He beat two women to death with a wooden club. One, one woman survived, but her jaw was hardly hanging on. He wasn't done yet. The urge to kill had come over him very strongly. He walked four blocks away to an apartment. Apartment 11. And the neighbor heard around four in the morning crying, pleading, and, and she heard a wet, pounding sound coming from the other apartment. Luckily, this woman would be would survive from getting beat. He had fake IDs and credit cards, and he stole a white van and drove 160 miles to Jacksonville. 14-year-old Leslie, luckily, before he tried to kidnap her, her older brother came and confronted Bundy. And then Bundy drove back to, to Lake City. February 8th, 1978. This is his final murder. Kimberly Leach, who was 12. He killed her by stabbing her. And that's all I'm going to get into with that one. Because she's a kid. Back in Tallahassee, Florida. A police officer in an unmarked car recognized Bundy walking on the street, looking like he was going to break into a car. The officer went up and talked to Bundy, and they had found a license plate in the van he was in. And they wrote down the number and about to radio it in when Bundy had sprinted away. And they couldn't catch him. The next day, he stole a Mazda from an LDS church. He then drove to Pensacola, Florida, where he rented a room with a stolen credit card. Then, the morning of February 15th, an officer noticed that Bundy 
that the car was that Bundy was in was stolen. So he pulled him over. He went to handcuff him. But Bundy fought back and ran off. But the officer caught him and put him in custody. He actually did fire some shots off at him. And didn't hit him. But he did pistol whip him a few times. Eventually they got teeth moldings from him when he bit one of the ass cheeks of one of the Chi Omega sorority girls. And this one crazy woman who was obsessed with him, thought he was innocent, Carol Boone, decided to have a baby with him while he was on death row. All we know is her name is Rose and she's probably around 40 by now. He was executed 1989, I believe. He tried to extend his death date by admitting to the 36 murders. But I know I rushed the ending. But it is what it is. It's just me. I don't like doing these by myself anymore. But, you know, once Brian's not busy, we'll have him come back on and do his stories. I just wanted to get this out since some of you guys were asking about it. Mostly Tommy. So shout out Tommy. Messaging me this morning. But I'm not planning on quitting doing this. I like doing this podcast even though there's only 27 listeners. Hopefully we'll get there one day. Um, Remember to share this with your friends, your family, your dogs, your cats. Speaking of cats, some of you have seen that my mom-in-law... Her coworker found a baby kitten in a dumpster. And now I have that kitten. And he's cute as shit. I named him DeVito if it's a boy because he was found in the trash. You know, like the trash man. Um, anyway, make sure to follow all the social medias. And if you want to donate to the Cash App, please do. Because my poor wife over here has been crying all day because her tooth broke. And it's all swollen and painful. It makes me sad because I'm poor. Anyway, that's going to be it for today. Sorry this is late. I'll try and release the next one on this Sunday. Toodles, bitches.